If you're an Oklahoma Sooner, this past weekend of college football was virtually perfect. Contrary to popular belief amongst the fan base, Oklahoma very much did not control their own destiny going into their major tilt with six, with six strange TCU on Saturday. An 11-1 Notre Dame almost certainly would have been ahead of OU in the pecking order, and an SEC championship matchup of a 12-0 Alabama versus a 12-0 Georgia would not have been good for Oklahoma. At the very least, they would have been sweating it out on Selection Sunday. Now the story has changed quite a bit. Notre Dame was demolished by a takeaway-hungry Miami squad, banishing them to two-loss purgatory, and Georgia was equally destroyed by an Auburn team that pretty much the entire country had forgotten about. And oh yeah, the Sooners arguably played their best game all year against the stout defense of TCU in a shockingly ho-hum, easy victory. The main domino to fall here was Notre Dame. They have arguably played the most consistently challenging schedule in the country thus far, and until Saturday night, they had largely been dominant, except against Georgia in Week 2, a game they lost at home by a single point. Because of Georgia's dominance up until this past Saturday, Notre Dame's loss to Georgia was virtually being looked at as a win in the eyes of the college football media. That, f- that logic fell off of a cliff when Georgia themselves were dominated by previously forgotten Auburn. Two takeaways from this. One, OU is realistically now at a win-and-you're-in proposition. I don't really see any reasonable way that they are left out as a 12-1 conference champion unless a handful of unlikely, ridiculous scenarios happen in concert with each other. The committee's rankings on Tuesday will give pause to some, and I have some radical disagreements with the poll, which we'll talk about later, but realistically, OU isn't being left out at 12-1. Second point. Saturday demonstrated that this is just a wide-open race for the national championship. Previously dominant and untested teams like Notre Dame and Georgia were run off the field by very good but flawed teams. Alabama arguably has their weakest team since 2007, and Nick Saban's squad is seemingly dealing with major injuries for the very first time in in, in his tenure there, over 11 seasons. Point being... This might be the perfect year to take a run at this thing with a majorly flawed team. You know Baker Mayfield is licking his lips thinking about what he could do to some of these good but flawed teams. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. Jonathan Wilson is a man who had a really good game last weekend. Let's see if they look for him. Nope. Intercepted. This one's gone. 85 yards it's going to be. Dominique Franks. Count him up. 30. 25-20, 15-10-5, 25-20, touchdown, and Oklahoma on a gift goes on top 13 to nothing. Dominique Franks welcomes us into another edition of West of Everest. His 85-yard pick six was one of three interceptions thrown on the day by KU's Todd Reesing back on October the 24th, 2009. The Sooners went on to beat the Jayhawks 35-13. to Hello, everyone. I'm Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the start with his opening take. I'll bring him back here in one moment. But first, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. We say thank you almost every show, and I know it might get annoying to those of you who listen all the time. But honestly, we do sincerely mean it when we say thank you for tuning in. The loyal listeners make it even easier for Grant and I to put these shows together each week. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you've got a moment, please leave a rating and a review and or a review. Just recently, West of Everest has officially gained a five-star rating in the iTunes store. 
And that is all thanks to you who rate and review. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for Grant and I, you can email us, westofeverest at gmail.com. And finally, you can find us on Twitter, at Lee Benson News 9 and at Grant Benson 25. Time to move on to some football talk, so let's bring Grant back in. Grant, how's it going? Lee, it's going really well. I really appreciate you using uh, that that 2009 KU game. That game was in Lawrence, I believe. Um, sure weird, was. Weird game. Guess what? There's, I was there. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember that's you why, talking about that back. That's in the why day. I used that clip. Actually, I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you if you you know knew why I used that in the intro. It's because. I was at that game. You know what? I, so there you go. It, it's so odd, but I oddly remember a lot about that game. I, I, I don't know why there really wasn't anything special about it. I think it was sort of a ho-hum, just kind of a sleepy victory against Kansas, and I think Todd Reesing was still there. I think you brought him up there. Uh, interesting game. I was watching that game on my computer, Lee, at a Caribou Coffee and for the, the, the listeners in Oklahoma, in that region of the country, Caribou Coffee is a Starbucks imitation based out of Minnesota and Iowa that is better than Starbucks in every conceivable fashion. But I digress. <laughs> uh, weird stat or weird little nugget of info from that game. Going in, Kansas had a better record than OU. I think Kansas was like 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. I mean, it was like, obviously their schedule probably wasn't that strong, but that was back when Kansas was playing good football. And that was the year Oklahoma had all those injuries and lost to Texas the previous week in a game that you and I were at, at the Cotton Bowl. And uh, that Oklahoma defense was so good that year. And uh, just it was bizarre that uh, that Kansas came into the game with a better record than Oklahoma in that one. That's the best OU defense, I think, since 2003 or 2001. That's, that's the best defense they've had in the last 13, 14 years, I think. That 2009 defense was such a good defense. Just a little roadmap quickly. For those of you listening to this show, you know we talk about all of the matchups going into Oklahoma's next opponent, and the next opponent is Kansas, who the Sooners are favored by by 37 points, favored over by 37 points. So we'll talk a little bit about this matchup, but I'll be honest with you, Grant, and I'll be honest with you listeners, I did not do as much research and film watching with KU as I have for most of the teams Oklahoma has played this season. I honestly just did not see the value in putting a lot of time into this week. However, though, I do have some thoughts on the Jayhawks, and Grant and I do have some thoughts on the college football playoff rankings, which we will get to after we talk OUKU. We'll give our top 10, and then we'll have the picks, so it'll be a full Thursday show. But first up, let's talk about the matchup between Oklahoma's offense against Kansas's defense, Grant, and it's a Kansas defense that, this is bizarre to me, it weirdly has a very good defensive line. KU's defensive line actually is pretty great. In fact, KU is 14th in the nation in tackles for loss. 75 tackles for loss this year. And actually, defensive tackle Daniel Wise, according to Lincoln Riley, is the best defensive tackle that OU has seen all season long. Get this. Get This This guy's got 13 and a half tackles for loss this year and leads the team with five and a half sacks. But outside of the defensive line, Kansas's defense must not be very good because KU's allowing 42 points a game, which is almost dead last in the entire country. The Jayhawks are allowing almost 450 yards per game. They're allowing more than 6.2 yards per play. I mean, really nowhere statistically this KU defense is any good with the exception of tackles for loss and getting to the quarterback every once in a while. So that's 
it's kind of a bizarre, right, that KU's pretty good on the defensive line, yet overall is not a very good defense. Yeah, I think so. I'm looking at those numbers for Daniel Wise. For a defensive tackle, those numbers are absolutely ridiculous for a defensive tackle. That's insane. Uh, the 13 and a half tackles for loss with, with the almost six sacks. You know about Dorrance Armstrong? He was the preseason Big 12 uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I, I th- do you remember kind of in the preseason during you know media days or whatever like that, they had asked Orlando Brown about you know what, what was like the best defense you would face last year, and he, he had mentioned the, uh, the Kansas defensive line. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people took it out of context because when you mention Kansas, people think, oh, Kansas isn't very good, but Orlando Brown was being serious. He, well, uh, he, he was he was going up against Dorrance Armstrong the entire game. Right. Yeah. And that's I guess that's the point. Like it, he was going up against a guy that's going to be playing in the NFL. So it, it makes sense in context like that. But yeah, I, I do find that a little bizarre that they have, you know, these two kind of I mean, just really good players on their defensive line. And yet they they do have one of the worst defenses in, in, um, in, in the country. But you know what? OU has one of the worst defenses in the country, too. So. <laughs> yeah, and also too, they have a linebacker, Joe Deneen, Joe Deneen Jr., and he leads the team with over 120 tackles, 120 tackles already. And he's got 21 tackles for loss as a linebacker, and this guy didn't even play a whole lot last season. I guess he was injured, so he's a, a player that that's insane. That 21, yeah, yeah. Whoa, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, these there's some like eye popping numbers individually for some of these Kansas defensive players. But then you look at their overall stats, and they again, they've allowed 42 points a game. They're allowing, on average, 42 a game. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a head-scratching moment when you look at Kansas's defense. Um, now, Grant, I know you like to look at the in-depth S&P ratings. Does, do those ratings also indicate that Kansas has a bad defense, or... Is it one of those things where when you go more in depth, KU's actually got a not at such a terrible defense? Uh, no, they are they are categorically bad across the board, pretty much everywhere in S and P. Um, they are the 101st ranked S and P defense, um, which is better than OU, uh, mind you. But uh, really, across the board, they're just not good. They're 95th. Wait, so they technically have a better defense in Oklahoma uh, by by S and P by S and P by their ranking system. But if you if you do a, you dig a little deeper it doesn't quite as as jive with, with what we're seeing just you know for instance um kansas they're they're 95th in the country in defensive efficiency they allow a successful play 44 percent of the time the sooners are 61st in the country at that at 40.8 percent um and then just down the line 113th in the country in allowing explosive plays they're dead last um in field position which means they're always um their, their opponents have literally the best field position in the country, um, and they're 111th um, in finishing drives, which is basically their their red zone defense. So their red zone defense is also terrible. Uh, they're 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 bad across the board. They they give up a lot of explosive plays. Uh, they they give up a lot of successful plays. This is this is not a defense that that Oklahoma is going to struggle with. Period. The only win this year for Kansas was in week one over Southeast Missouri State, so an FCS team. And that was also the fewest amount of points that Kansas had allowed, which was 16. Against FBS opponents, the fewest amount of points that KU has allowed was 30 against Kansas State on October the 28th. And that game, of course, huge rivalry game, the Sunflower rivalry or something like that. I I don't want to get it wrong. Um, 
But that was also a game where the Kansas offense finally scored a touchdown for the first time in more than two games. So, and we'll get to the offense here momentarily. So it's a, it's a Kansas defense that gives up a lot of points. Gave up 42 points last week to Texas in Austin. Texas got their revenge W over the Jayhawks, Grant, that you uh, you mentioned last week that the Longhorns had that game scheduled. Do you envision, uh, I know you just said that uh, Oklahoma should have no trouble, but do you see anywhere potentially where Kansas could provide a bit of resistance against Oklahoma's offense? Um... I mean, honestly, no. I, I statistically, I, I'm looking through all this stuff. The, you know, they're the thing that they're best at is, um, is rushing success rate is is their highest rank thing. Um, they're 76th in the country in rushing success rate. They give up a successful rushing play 43.1 percent of the time. That's below average for the national total. Um, oh, I suppose. Oh, well, let's. I'll I'll, I'll throw this out in, in terms of uh. Uh, getting to the quarterback, they're 30th in the country in, in adjusted sack rate. So, so they are good um, at getting to the quarterback. That is that is a strength of their defense, which isn't surprising considering who they have on the defensive line. Um, but, but other than that, I mean, they are they are absolutely one of the worst passing defenses um, in the country. They're 115th um, in passing defense S and P, 108th in passing success rate, 119th. Um, in passing explosive plays, and just I just want to give you a bit of a context there. We, the the OU pass defense has been absolutely uh, just kind of shredded this year, and they they really are not highly thought of. Um, Oklahoma's passing defensively is um, oh, let me see if I find if I find this. They're sixty seventh in. Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. They're they have the fifty fourth passing uh, S and P defense, and Kansas is one hundred fifteenth. So so that's. Woo. That's kind of what you said, and, and I guess I, I'm sure there's probably some Sooner fans that are confused by that. The reason why OU's uh, defense is is so lowly ranked in um, in S and P is because of the the explosive plays. There, uh, the Sooners' defense is worse than Kansas's defense in um, in giving up explosive plays. So so that's why that's heavily weighted. And and why wouldn't it be? I mean, you you give up super long touchdowns that should be heavily weighted against a defense, but. Um, yeah, Lee. I mean, I'm looking at this, and, and Kansas's defense is just is bad. It's just very, very bad. There's really not a whole whole else lot you know to say about it. Is they they might um they might you know throw a couple drives behind schedule just with getting to the quarterback. I, this year, one of the one of the most bizarre things this year is I think the OU's offensive line has had some lapses in pass protection at some at, at some times this year. But they usually come in chunks. It's not a consistent thing. So I mean, I, I could see a couple drives where where maybe Kansas is 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 getting pressure on Baker, uh, but I I can't I, I can't envision them keeping that up for for the entirety of a of a game. So here's what I want to see from the Oklahoma offense against the Kansas defense, because again, in this game where the Sooners are coming in as as heavy heavy favorites, granted it's a road game, but the atmosphere at Memorial Stadium is not going to just it's not going to be there. I mean, Kansas is one in one in nine. And um, the fans, even though they're going to see a top five team, top four team, I just there's going to be a lot of OU fans that travel. So the Sooners fan, Sooners faithful will be there. So it's it's one of those things where I think it's good for us to kind of talk about and bring up what we want to see and what the listeners should kind of look for in this game, kind of what they what they want to see or, or what we want to see. So anyways, my point is in this one, I want to see obviously Baker Mayfield play well be efficient get out of there and get out of there uninjured it would be nice to see him be done by halftime like 
going back to the very beginning of the year when he was done by halftime against UTEP. So therefore, Kyler Murray, it'd be nice to see if Kyler Murray got some more snaps because he hasn't gotten a whole lot of snaps since those early games in the season. Aside from Murray getting some playing time, I'd like to see. I'd also like to see Marcellius Sutton get some more carries because, you know, he's my guy, Grant, and he's been relegated to fourth string, if you will, in that four that foursome of running backs. He's been behind the other three guys and he hasn't got as many touches. He's he's back there on kickoff return, but he's he's not getting carries really at all. I want to see Sutton get some touches, get some carries, get get back into the flow of the offense, just in case Oklahoma needs him down the line. And I'd, I'd like to see him show off what he has because I think he's a talented player, and I think if we get to see him get more touches, I think he can do some damage, um, not just against Kansas, but potentially against other defenses down the line. So that's what I want to see from the offense in this game. What do you want to see? Uh, first and foremost, I want to see Kyler Murray play two quarters. That, that's that's basically it. I, I don't want I don't want to see Baker Mayfield in the second half, and I hope that they you know the circumstances are are proper for them to be able to do that. Uh, second of all, Lee, I know you brought up Marcellus Sutton. Um, I think we're we're just a little too far into the season for him. I think to be a factor up to this point. Um, you know, we're we're ten games in. Uh, so really, what I want to see is I, I want to see that trio of running backs. I want to see them all get at least ten carries. And I'm especially I'm I, I'm especially interested in seeing Abdul Adams get get a decent workload. I I, I want Abdul Adams to be the leading the leading ball carrier on the team this week. Um, I just want to see you know if I just want to see if he can replicate what we saw earlier on in the season when honestly he looked more explosive than Rodney Anderson does even right now, which is sort of hard to believe. Um, if you could get a fully healthy, effective Abdul Adams going in this offense to go along with Rodney Anderson, who has kind of separated himself and and has really kind of staked his claim as one of the best running backs in the country in this last month, um, just I, I I really think if they can get kind of that uh, that thunder and lightning thing going with them, I think that'd be big. And and obviously Trey Sermon too. I, I think Trey Sermon is more of a finisher and just just a hard punishing runner. And and I would like to see him get some work as well. So. Um, and hopefully that can happen, especially, you know, if, if we can get Baker out of there um, after after the first half, I think that'd be that'd be pretty awesome if we can see just a, a really run centric offense in the second half, getting these backs uh, some touches and some carries and maybe get their feet under him a little more as we head into the stretch run of the season. Lee. For those who might be concerned about the Sooners motivational level or their their feelings going into this game. Because Kansas is one and nine, and and um, the atmosphere is just not going to be anywhere near it was last Saturday against TCU. Baker Mayfield was asked immediately at his press conference on Monday about motivation for Kansas, and and Mayfield said, "We haven't won the Big Twelve yet, and Kansas is just another team in our way to a Big Twelve championship." And that's how they've approached every game. Is again, this is a cliche, but he mentioned how every game is just another game on the road to a Big Twelve title and a and a national championship, if you will. So. That's the right way to put it. Baker Mayfield said the right thing. And I don't have any concerns about this team being prepared offensively. I think that they're going to be ready to go against KU's defense. No, I think I, I think this I think the pedigree of this OU offense is great. I, I think they want to go out there every single week and they want to dominate who is ever in front of them. I don't think they care who they're playing. They just want to score and score as much as humanly possible. Uh, so I, I really have no no concerns about the offense in terms of motivation level. Um, I, I'd i be lying if I said the same thing about the defense, though, Lee. Sure, sure. And that's a good way to transition. Let's transition to talk to OU defense against the Kansas offense. A couple of notes to 
pass along. First off, Lincoln Riley, unfortunately, said that he doesn't think Khalil Houghton will be able to play. Luckily, it's Kansas, so in theory, Oklahoma shouldn't need Houghton against the Jayhawks. I'm not sure about his availability going forward after that, but uh, Lincoln Riley said that he doesn't think Houghton will play. Everybody else is expected to play with the exception of, and this is a question mark right now, Jordan Thomas. Jordan Thomas is questionable for Kansas, but Lincoln Riley also said that Thomas could play against the Jayhawks. Let's talk about that for a bit, Grant. We were talking last time in a, on Monday about um, Jordan Thomas and how I wasn't sure if he was on the field and and we really weren't sure about his, his uh, status Saturday night. Well, we found out he was not on the sidelines during the game, and Lincoln Riley said that it was a team decision for him not to be on the sidelines, and it was for medical purposes. Kind of a bizarre scenario there but uh, Jordan Thomas was not on the sidelines of course he didn't play against TCU but the fact that he's questionable for Kansas and the fact that Lincoln Riley said that he could play leads us to believe that Thomas uh, might be back at some point this season so do you have any thoughts on Jordan Thomas and kind of what you heard from Lincoln Riley on Monday yeah I just thought that was kind of odd I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that before even with an injured player especially for a home game just not being on the sideline I I, I, I my instinct with that is that it sounds a little fishy, um, that maybe there's something else going on. However, you know, I'm not a mind reader though, so I, I'm not going to speculate on anything that I, I just, I, I don't know. So let, let me reiterate that right now. I have no inside info. I, I don't know anything about it. Just to me, instinctively, it just sounds fishy. Does that mean it is? No. Um, but to me, there, there is, there is a, a slight possibility of, of some fishiness going on. I hope that's not the case. Um, I, I, I did read some practice reports um, earlier that he, he has been at practice, just not practicing. So it's not like a, he's been a dismissed from the team type deal. So I, I really hope it is just a medical thing and not, not bigger issues like that. But, but really, if you think about it, for you know, for as rough as the season he's had, I don't think it's a terrible idea for him to maybe take a couple of days off, right, just to clear his head. <laughs> Sure, sure. And and the fact that Trey Norwood and Trey Brown came in on Saturday against TCU and and played uh, were serviceable and also in, to good in in you know his absence and then Parnell Motley's absence. Not not that Parnell Motley was absent. He was there. He just he didn't start. He uh he got uh, usurped by Trey Brown and then of course uh, Trey Norwood played. So speaking of that, Grant, last show I didn't really get a chance to go in detail about the Oklahoma defense against TCU because I hadn't had a chance to watch the film back closely. So since then, I have watched it back, and I took some notes on what I what I saw from Oklahoma's defense, and mainly this is from the second half because I watched much of the first half. I thought the second half was would be interesting considering that Oklahoma only gave up those six points in that half, and I was curious to see how the Sooners played, especially after halftime because you'd think that TCU had some offensive adjustments. So here's what I took from from uh, watching the second half back. There were moments in that half where I thought, Grant, this team will win the national championship if this is the defense we get the rest of the year. And then there were a couple long pass plays that were preventable, and then I thought, oh, yeah, this is OU, and the Sooners are incredibly inconsistent. Trey Norwood specifically looked really good, very comfortable out there. The only negative I saw was that pass interference penalty that he was called for in the second half. I think he could have played that better. I would like to see him up challenging the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. I think he's a pretty confident player. So if he gets a jam on the guy, that would be able that would you know, he'd be able to force the wide receiver to kind of do what Trey Nor Nor wants the receiver to do as opposed to kind of sitting back on your heels and letting the receiver dictate 
where he's going to go there on his route. Trey Brown, I thought he looked okay, but I can totally see him being a liability, to be honest with you. For example, he tends to take a couple of read steps up towards the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball when he's supposed to be playing a deep third or in man coverage. This is totally fine if the wide receiver breaks off his route, you know, 6, 10 yards, and he's already kind of moving up to, to take that away. However, this could lead to him being severely burned on a go route or some sort of double move because he would be going totally forward, having his momentum go the wrong way, and then I think it would be difficult for him to stop, turn on a dime, and then try to catch up with a wide receiver. So I got to think opposing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators will see that film from that TCU game and and try to exploit them there. Trey does have I Trey probably is the fastest player on the defense though. Maybe the fastest player on the team. Uh he he is going to have good recovery speed in situations like that. So I I think that is something to keep in mind. But I mean obviously it's not good to get beat right away, you know, off the line of scrimmage in that in that situation. But I did just want to throw that out there. Also Robert Barnes Grant, I think he's struggling. I think he's struggling out there on that deep pass that was completed near the goal line in the second half. I think he should have been in position to make that play, but he didn't get deep enough, and he kind of lost sight of where that wide receiver was in that zone. Uh, We mentioned Khalil Houghton a bit ago. Uh, I saw him on the sidelines in a boot during the game or before the game. Again, I I have no idea how long he's going to be out for, but I think he really needs to come back to shore up this secondary. And finally, on the Oklahoma defense, based uh, based on what I saw from the TCU film, I think Oklahoma Grant is still playing too soft a coverage. A better offense, I think, would have done a lot more against the Sooners on Saturday. However, credit should be given to the defensive line, who was able to get some good pressure on Kenny Hill, and a handful of times he got, they got to Hill with just three or four guys rushing, basically just the defensive lineman rushing. That's big time in pass situations, considering that Oklahoma is not the greatest team at covering in the secondary, and that might be the understatement of the year. So those are the notes I have on on the Oklahoma defense against TCU. I thought that might be a little more, um, a little more interesting to talk about more than going deep diving into the KU offense, because because now it it, it may, makes me feel a little more a little more um, positive about the Oklahoma defense. But I did see some instances where I think a, a better offense would have had more success. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's smart to bring up. I I did have I did make the comment to you after that, uh, after the after the podcast, the last one we recorded, that I didn't say I I I said I didn't think the the Sooners defense really played particularly well. I thought they played better than you know than they have in previous weeks for sure. Um, but but I thought they were at at best I thought they were just okay against TCU. I thought TCU did leave some points. Um, on the field and I'm looking at you because you guys know I love s and I'm just looking at it uh, for the defensive performance in that game uh, for the week was in the 53rd percentile so they were just slightly um, above average on their defensive performance which I think you know which is pretty much what our eyes told us watching it TCU still you know pulled off some some pretty easy chunk plays um, not as much as you know obviously the week before against Oklahoma State but there were times where it, it looked a little too easy for TCU, but you know there were some times where the Sooners' defense really did bow their neck too, and were and were you know was getting pressure on Kenny Hill and did play well. So I thought they played good complementary defense against TCU. I think if they play like that for the rest of the season, I think they're going to be in really really good position. Um, but it, it would be nice for them to uh, you know to play a little better and just take the ball away. Really need to start taking the ball away. That's going to be very important. Kansas's offense is not good. It's not a good offense. 
Jayhawks scoring 20 points per game. They're averaging 20 a game, which is 117th in the nation. It's worse than the Big 12, a conference that's known for pretty dynamic offenses and scoring points. Kansas is dead last in the Big 12. Jayhawks accumulating 355 total yards per game. That's worse than the Big 12, 105th in the nation. Less than five yards per play, 4.88 yards per play, 117th in the nation, worse than the Big 12. So this is an offense that's not very good. But honestly, Grant, KU actually had a pretty good showing last week at Texas, scoring 27 points and gaining 364 total yards against a Longhorns defense that I told you last time that I think is better than TCU. Well, if you want to compare the Kansas game and you They're want to not. compare – TCU and Texas that that's obviously one a check mark in the TCU column but again if you want to compare the Oklahoma State game between TCU and Texas that's a check mark in the Texas column so I think there still is a a a, a, a spirited uh, disagreement there and uh, I still think Texas has a better defense than TCU even though they gave up 27 to Kansas because I thought it's way more impressive giving uh, you know holding Oklahoma State's extremely dynamic offense down kansas had more points against texas than they did yards against tcu just just throwing <laughs> that out stat. there <laughs> well speaking of tcu in consecutive weeks earlier in the year tcu and iowa state each shut kansas out in those games and the jayhawks combined for 127 total yards in those two games just just not great. Not great at all. Just over 100 total yards against um, Iowa State and only 21 total yards against TCU. Carter Stanley, oh, do you have something to comment on I was going to say, I suppose, you know, if, if you throw out those those two games against Iowa State and TCU, and I I mean, I know that the games have already been played and you can't throw them out. Uh, you really look at Kansas's, you know, point totals. They're not, they're not atrocious. You know, 38, 27, 30, 34. And then, you know, here's the big decline. They scored 19 against Texas Tech. They got shut out against Iowa State and TCU. Scored 20 against Kansas State, 9 against Baylor, and then 27 last week. So, I mean, I, I, we're, I, I know I'm really grasping at straws there, but I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to lay the groundwork, you know, for you guys to when, – when Kansas scores uh, it, uh, in the game on Saturday with, like, long touchdown passes, just don't be surprised. That's all I'm going to say because it's probably going to happen. Kansas actually had through like the first month of the season one of the best offenses statistically in college football I remember looking up these numbers back in the day but I think before before they played Texas Tech it had to have been because before that Texas Tech game Kansas was one and three but they had scored 38 points 27 points 30 points and 34 points yeah and and, and one of those games was against West Virginia who doesn't have a very good defense but I mean it they still yeah, I mean, they, they played with West Virginia for, I think, almost the entire game and, and still gave up 56. So, I mean, there's a gigantic decline ever since the first month. So, I mean, Oklahoma's getting Kansas at the right time. I mean, I mean, even though I'm based on the talent level, there's never a really a wrong time to get Kansas. But um, Carter Stanley is the quarterback for KU at this moment. I know another a different player, a different quarterback has played also this year. But Stanley played last week against Texas. He had three interceptions against the Longhorns. One was taken back for a touchdown. And the other one was almost returned for a touchdown. So, uh, I mean, they, they were not good picks. So we'll, he'll give the ball to the other team. It's just up to Oklahoma. You know, will the Sooners be able to put enough pressure on him or make him uncomfortable enough to have him throw the ball to the other team? Also, the Jayhawks cannot run the ball very well. So they'll have to gain the gain yards through the air. I mean, passing is really where they're able to move the football. And Oklahoma's not very good against the pass. So like you said a moment ago, Grant, Kansas 
is likely to score some points against Oklahoma, despite the fact that Kansas is a 37-point underdog. Yeah, and it's really going to come, just looking at the analytics, it's going to come on the big play if they do score. Um, they're, even in the passing game, their their passing success rate is 108th in the country. That's terrible. Um, the Sooners actually passing success rate defense, the Sooners is actually pretty good. Um, it's above average, at least. They're 50th in the country. Um, it's, it's still just those big plays and, you know, I'm looking at Kansas and, and the, the only, uh, the only category they're not ranked in the one hundreds in on offense is explosive plays. They're 52nd and which is right around where Kansas or uh, where TCU was last week coming into the game and and TCU was able to burn the Sooners a few times. Just expect it, be prepared for it. It's going to happen again. It it just is. This is, this is who the defense is and they're, they're going to give up some big plays. So here's what I want to see from the Oklahoma defense in this game. I think this is going to be a, a good test for the secondary to see if they can prevent a bad offense from picking up huge chunk yardage plays down the field through the air. Oklahoma knows that Kansas really the only way they're they're able to move the football this year is through the air. So I want to see with that with those new players, you know, with 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 Trey Brown, Trey Norwood. And now Will Johnson will be back for an entire game. You know, with with the secondary, I want to see the secondary prevent. A, I mean, let's see. I, I don't know. I mean, how how many big plays would I be would I be happy with giving up to Kansas? Um, let's say if if Oklahoma can can hold Kansas to like two, like thirty to thirty plus yard plays, I'd be okay with that. They gave up four last. That'd be week. good. That'd be, I'd, I'd be happy with that because this this defense, the way they play, they give up big plays. They just do, and it's it's super frustrating. But uh, that's what I'd like to see from the defense in this game. I'm going to be always looking at the secondary playing well. And it'd be nice, too, for the defensive line to have another good game like the defensive line had against TCU because the D-line played great for the most part against the against the Frogs and, and got pressure on the quarterback. And, and if they can get pressure on the quarterback whenever they rush three or just rush four, that'll make it more likely that Carter Stanley might throw the football to Oklahoma. Yeah, and I, I think I think. What do you want to see from the defense? I I, I just I want to see them play well. I, I would like to see a dominating performance. You know, if 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 it's ever going to happen this season, it's it's going to be this week. Um, you know, we I, I mentioned the explosive plays. We it, it's it's honestly been since week two of the season where we've seen an Oklahoma defense not give up explosive plays consistently over the course of the game. They they didn't against UTEP and they didn't against Ohio State. And ever since then, it's killed them in pretty much every single game. Um, so, or not really killed them, but it's, it, it's been a problem. So I, I, when you're playing Kansas, there's just no excuse. And, and I understand that they, they can move the ball through the air a little bit, but a lot of that is just kind of empty yards. This is, this isn't just, this is a really bad offensive team period. And honestly, any team that has any sort of hope of winning a national championship, you you got to shut this team down. And if if you're going to do it, it's right now. And I just want to see them play well. And you said two 30-plus yard plays. I'd like to see zero. I, there, there's no excuse. I, there, there should be no big plays like that. This is a team that was held to just nine points by Baylor. Yeah, ba- and we've Baylor, seen that Baylor defense. Baylor absolutely ripped up Kansas on their home field. Uh, this is uh, this. Yep. So just as a as a comparison, and like how I like to use S and P, this is this is pretty much like OU playing UTEP again. 
Seriously. Uh, Kansas is closer to UTEP than Tulane is closer to UTEP. So uh, it, the Sooners have no excuse. This, this is a game where, where they should get off the bus and roll, basically. And I, I really hope we do see them play with some fire um, uh, on Saturday, just because I, I think that'd be a really good sign going forward if they come out focused and, and with fire and intensity. So, Grant, what will happen in this game? Give me a prediction. I, I think they're, I think they're going to win by a lot. To be honest with you, you know, I, I don't think their defense is going to be shredded by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, I think Kansas is probably going to score seventeen, twenty points or so, um, and they'll, they're, if they have two or three scoring drives, it'll probably be facilitated by big plays. I would guess they're just, they're just not an efficient offense at all. I, I, they, they can't really put together long drives and. Um, so I, I, I don't see how that's, I, I guess if they're going to do it against anyone, it'd be against OU's defense, which has not been strong this year, but, but really I keep harping on it. If the Sooners can just prevent, just cut those big plays in half that their defensive ranking in S and P would, would double. It, it would just, it would go way up if they were just to do that and cut that out. It would be in the middle of the pack of the country. Um, I, I was looking at the stats yesterday, Lee, the only difference statistically between the defense from last year and this year are those big plays. That's it. That that is it. It's the only difference. Um, and last year they they were playing defense at an average level. It wasn't a good defense by Oklahoma standards, but it was just nationally it was an average defense. And I think you know with the offense this year, that's that's all the defense this year needs to be. Um, so what do I think is going to happen? I think the offense is going to do whatever they want, and I think the defense is is going to look bad at times, and they're going to look really good at sometimes. Um, I think the Sooners are going to win by a lot of points. I you know what. I, I was going to say, I'd like to, I think it'd be cool when I, when I brought up the UTEP comparison, I think back in, uh, even back as far as that two lane game, I think you, you predicted the score correctly of both of those games, right? You said 56 to seven. I, I think I, I was like a field goal off, like in a couple of points off. Okay. I think I might've, I might've nailed OU's point total, I think which you, I, 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 think, I nailed OU's point total last week, by the way, in the TCU game. I, I think what, ha- I, th- I think you got, I think you got really close on the UTEP score prediction, and then you nailed the Tulane score prediction. I think I, think you- I said 56-14 against UTEP, and I was off by a touchdown, a UTEP touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I want to say I might have been off by like a field goal in the in the Tulane game. Okay. Well, yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to go. I, I, I will make a score prediction this time around. Um, I, I think they're going to win 62-14 to, to 14 is, is my guess. I uh, I'm going to take the Sooners to win this game 59 to 14. It's hard for me to imagine them not giving up at least a couple touchdowns to Kansas. And honestly, OU is certainly capable of giving up more touchdowns to KU. I, it's just I, I'm with you. I think that they're going to be focused. They have a job to do. And Baker Mayfield I mean, maybe maybe it's a good thing, and we'll get into this here in a moment. But maybe it's a good thing that Oklahoma was fourth in the college football playoff rankings this week. I mean, it it, it shouldn't matter. I mean, but I mean, everyone knows that he's that he kind of thrives on people doubting him and doubting his teammates and doubting Oklahoma. And to get up for Kansas is probably difficult, even though in my mind it should never be difficult to get up for any game because there's so few games you get to play as a college football player and as a football player in general. So even though it's a game in Lawrence, Kansas, where the atmosphere is not going to be anything special. It's still a football game, and football is really fun. 
It's fun to play football, and these guys get to do it on a national stage in front of a lot of people, whether it be at the stadium or on TV. So you should always be up for it. You should always be ready to go and excited to play, and I think Baker Mayfield's a guy that will be excited to play, especially considering that the Oklahoma has lost a game this year. I mean, Oklahoma's flawed. I mean, they've been beaten. They, uh, they know they can't look like garbage against Kansas. So I'm going to take Oklahoma to win, like I said, 59-14. to 14. And I, like I said, I'm not going to predict whether or not Baker Mayfield will be out by halftime because I'm not sure about that. But I certainly would like to see him done and Kyler Murray into the game as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I, I want to bring up one more thing that we forgot to mention um, on, on Monday's podcast and also up to this point. Uh, let's give a shout out to Austin Seibert. Austin Seibert. Okay, good. Um, I'm glad you got and, this in. Uh, he is all of a sudden turned into one of the best kickers in the country, and I kind of have the utmost confidence in him i don't know where that came from but i do now he he drilled that 49 yarder i mean like it, it was so i i think he, he had made a comment a couple weeks ago they'd asked him I, it was after he was the big 12 special teams player of the week i can't remember exactly what game it was but he had made a comment that um what he had done he had stopped taking so many reps in practice and he started reading uh like mentality books and stuff like that to get his head right and and I guess it's it's totally worked. He is he's been lights out the last month. So I I, yeah, I just I just wanted to he's bring kicking it up. the ball well. I still even though that was great, he made a forty nine yarder. I mean that's great. That's that's huge. That was his first forty plus yard field goal he's made since twenty fifteen, I believe. At the same time, I still really don't want him attempting forty plus yard field goals. I, I don't either. Not with this the, offense. The but same rules apply. But it's nice to know that. If they have to, like for instance, like what if you know what if they're in the national championship game, the game's tied. And there's a 45-yard field goal with three seconds left. Of course you kick. Well, that. I mean, yeah, of course. And, you kick and I'd be that. pretty yeah. confident in him making it because he's what, what, whatever books he's reading, it's working. Just keep it up because he he looks great. All right, Grant. Um, see, how should we do this? Normally, we talk about the Big 12 at this point, and then we go to the top 10. I'd say let's do that real quick. Let's just touch on a couple of the Big 12 games or all the Big 12 games this week, and then we'll move into the talk uh, the college football playoff rankings. Big 12, we're going to talk about this one when we do our picks for the week. TCU is at Texas Tech. All of a sudden, there's question marks surrounding TCU's Kenny Hill. Will he play against Texas Tech? And then we also know Darius Anderson is out for the year, one of the better running backs, even though Hicks is a pretty good back as well. And then you have Turpin, who can do it all as well. So it's not like TCU's hurting for skill players, but that's kind of an interesting scenario in that one. But we'll, we'll pick that game later. Texas is at West Virginia. Mountaineers are three and a half point favorites. It's an 11 a.m. kick. Iowa State back out of the top 25 is at Baylor. The Cyclones favored by almost 10 on the road. And Kansas State is at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, 20 and a half point favorites over the Wildcats. Kind of curious to see how the Cowboys play against that Kansas State offense. I, I was surprised that Oklahoma State gave up as many points and yards to Iowa State last week, Grant. I thought that Cowboys defense was better. And the Cowboys' defense made me look kind of like a fool when they allowed 42 to Iowa State's kind of just average offense. Yeah, and I think watching that game, that that really felt like a game where just Iowa State's skill players just played really well. I thought David Montgomery was dynamite in that game. Alan Lazard was great. Um, so I, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be foolish to suggest at this point that that Oklahoma State's defense isn't struggling. You know, when you. Obviously, the 62 points to OU is concerning, and they were playing really good football going into Bedlam. Yeah, um, and going then, into and Bedlam, the defense looked really good. They gave up 62 points, and then and then I, I don't think that's how they drew it up. I, I don't think that they were... that. 
I do not think that their coaching staff thought that they would be in a in an offensive shootout in that game, and that's what happened. Um, I, I think they might be back to the drawing board defensively, Oklahoma State, because they were playing really well. And um, but you know, I mean, for them, they, this you know the perfect time to figure it out. They got uh, two teams coming up that that aren't particularly. You know, Kansas State is obviously not very explosive on offense, and then they'll, they'll they play Kansas to finish the season. So. Perfect timing for Oklahoma State to get right on offense. Probably the two worst offenses in the league. So we'll see what happens. Okay, let's get to the college football playoff rankings, which came out Tuesday night. And, um, well, it's it's not what we expected, put it that way. And, again, I like to preface all the college football playoff talk, the rankings talk, with really these don't matter because the only one that matters is the one at the end of the season. I know a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's true because even though the committee will kind of show you what they have at the moment, I at the end of the, the season, they'll take in the entire resume, and I think they'll make their call. That being said, though, it's it's just head scratch. I'll, I'll be nice about it. It's, it's, it's a head scratcher that Oklahoma is where the Sooners are right now. And I think the... I think the main controversy is it mostly erupted after Kirby Hokut started talking. Um, I, I think I, I think we were willing to accept OU being at four if we were given good reasoning. For instance, you know, if I would have I would have respected the decision to put Clemson at two much much more if Kirby Hoka would have came out and said we think they have a bunch of NFL players on defense and they won the national championship last year and they've earned the benefit of the doubt. I thought I thought that would have been better reasoning than the reasoning that they gave. And so let's let's be blunt about it. The reasoning that they gave was absolutely atrocious. It's 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 it was nonsensical. It didn't make any sense, and that's where I I, I sort of get a little concerned, um, just because if they think Clemson is ahead of Oklahoma now, why, um, why wouldn't they think the same thing three weeks down the road, um, especially if Clemson wins out? So I just want to go on the record right now and say, Clemson Clemson being ahead of Oklahoma is an absolute joke. It makes no sense whatsoever. There's there's no reason to put Clemson ahead of Oklahoma at this point in time, except for the fact that they won the national championship last year. That's the only the only reason. Resume wise, it's not even particularly close. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where I, I think the national media has actually done a pretty good job of of ripping it, and they have. They've they, I think they've been very fair. Um, vast majority of the national media thinks it, it's kind of a joke that that Clemson is ahead of Oklahoma. So you know, I. It is what it is. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm just telling everyone right now, um, th- this upcoming week they're going to be looking for any excuse to put Wisconsin ahead of OU. So so don't don't be don't do not be um, surprised if OU falls out of the top four next week, especially if Wisconsin beats Michigan um, in, in a week where OU's playing Kansas. It wouldn't surprise me if they if they fall out. Nah, I, I, yeah, that that surprised me. That would be dumb. I mean, no, I mean if that's ge- that's super. I mean, if that happens, if Oklahoma does takes care of business against against Kansas and then Wisconsin beats Michigan I mean again it's another home game for Wisconsin all which they don't play tough games but the only I mean they've had Iowa at home last week and now they get Michigan at home I believe right I mean it's a home game right yeah they're at home yeah so I mean just a win over Michigan no I mean if if that were to happen and that jumped Wisconsin all of a sudden in the top four I mean again it doesn't matter because it doesn't only one that matters at the end I mean that's just that's them just trying to be trolls at that point then because that just that wouldn't make any sense at all. 
I'm just, so. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm trying to prepare you for it because there, there is no logical reason for, for Clemson or Miami, for that matter, to be ahead of Oklahoma right now. In fact, I, I think you can argue that Oklahoma should be the number one team right now, just based off of resume, because they well, have the a logical reason for Miami. Yeah. I mean, Miami and Alabama. I mean, the zero next to the the loss record is always going to stand up. I mean, and I, I guess you could say, oh, well, you just ripped on Wisconsin. They have zero next to their loss. Well, I think Wisconsin's a different scenario. That's, that's one where objectively the Badgers have not played anybody this season. And the Badgers are lucky that Iowa was even ranked based on what happened against Ohio State because, honestly, Iowa probably shouldn't even be a top 25 team. So, I mean, that's, that's where the zero doesn't hold as much weight because of the schedule. But uh, I think there's there's definitely logical reasons why Miami would be ahead of Oklahoma. But when it comes to Clemson, sure, I think you can sure, make that. I, 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 I think, think you can make the argument for sure. But I, I I really do think they need to clarify what they're looking at because if they're if they're changing the calculus for every single team, how are we supposed to know? Cause, I mean they. They they bring up the the one that really kind of stuck in my craw is obviously that you know they brought up the Kelly Bryant injury which is which is that's a total sham that that's a that's terrible reasoning yeah that's a um, really bad that's reason. awful um, if Kelly just, Bryant would have stayed healthy there's still, still a pretty good lost. chance they still would have won that they game. were they were losing you when can't you got, say for sure that they would have lost can't. but there's a there's a good there, yeah they were losing I mean it wasn't because of um, Kelly Bryant's play that was Clemson was yeah, in that and, game it was it was Syracuse's offense playing really well against that Clemson defense. And and I, I do want to bring this up. I want to give a hat tip to Joel Klatt because he absolutely listens to our podcast. But um, he, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He, he made the comment on Colin Cowherd's show today um, about Kelly Bryant. He, he kind of just laughed at that reasoning about Kelly Bryant. He said, look, man, Kelly Bryant, guy's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions. Kelly Bryant, is he's fine. But he, honestly, he's just a guy. He, he, he's a distributor. He is not the X factor on that Clemson offense. He is he is a distributor completely. That's all he does. He, he's he is not a dynamic player whatsoever. Um, I, OU was was much more hurt by injuries in the Iowa State game than Clemson was against Syracuse. That, that's just it's just truth. That's that's it's just the truth. So I and I know I know there's no there's no way to actually like quantify that. I get it. Um, I did want to bring up the thing that just really bugged me was that they always bring up the the they have the most wins against teams with a winning record, and that just bugs me. The, the teams with a winning record that they're uh, that they're counting six and four Wake Forest, six and four Louisville, uh, six and four. I, I can't remember the other team. Uh, is it Boston College? Maybe I, I can't remember. And then that's compared to OU beating five and five Kansas State, five and five Texas, five and five Texas Tech. You telling me that Kansas State and Texas can't play with Wake Forest and Boston College? Give me a break. Just that's that's really bad reasoning. Um, you you give um, you criticize he, uh, Kirby Hoka criticized Miami for for not playing any tough games on the road, and yet you have them ahead of Oklahoma, who has the two best the, the two best pair of road wins in the entire country. Just the, the calculus just doesn't make sense. Um, and this is really the first poll this year where I've, where I've looked at it and I feel like this is, this is wrong. They, they really botched this one and, and we're lucky. This one really doesn't matter. You're right. It it could absolutely work itself out in the end and I'm going to try not to get too worked up about it, but it it just, it concerns me a little bit because it, it shows me that for whatever reason, they're not respecting Oklahoma and I, at least not fully, at least not fully yet. And we'll see what happens obviously, but they're, they're looking for it, it really does feel like they're looking for reasons to to kind of set them back a little bit and that's that's just that's my opinion and that's just how I felt um, listening and, and watching all of that yesterday 
Well, to be fair, when this poll started coming out, the college football playoff rankings started coming out. You know, again, I said that it doesn't matter. It's useless because the only one that matters is the end. And at the time, it's because I just assume that these people aren't um, I don't want to say dumb because, I mean, they're not dumb people. Like you said, I mean, every poll up to this point has been pretty, pretty good. But this one, the fact like you said, the fact that this one's kind of a, a bizarre uh, list of who really, you know, it's 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 not it, it does give me a little bit of pause of like, OK, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying, a lot, you know, for the last month that Oklahoma's a week to week team. And the resume is still building and building up and building. Well, Oklahoma took care of business the last two games and two games where the resume should have been a lot better than everybody else's, which the Sooners resume now is. And that should put them ahead of Clemson, which is my whole point a month ago. But the fact that the committee doesn't see it that way is, yeah, it's it's, it's somewhat troubling. It's slightly concerning at this point because I I like to be objective. I don't like to be the, you know, the glass half full, the that type of homer OU's got the best resume in the country they just do they should be higher than fourth in this thing for a one loss team no they're they've they have better wins than Miami and Alabama yeah but the loss hurts I I I understand that but like then 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 if that's the case then Wisconsin should be ahead of OU then and so should UCF if if you're gonna if you're gonna do I already explained the Wisconsin thing I explained the Wisconsin I mean this strength of schedule does matter too but I mean then okay then okay Miami hasn't played a tough schedule here's Alabama so no, they haven't, but they haven't lost it, and so and that's always going to take precedence. But anyway, it, which, I mean, it, it's it's going to happen. I mean, sh- stuff's going to happen, with the exception anyway. of Wisconsin. I mean, I mean, everyone's going to be super super surprised this weekend when Miami loses to Virginia, anyway. So you know, we'll 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 it, it'll all work game, itself. Is that out. game at Miami or is, it's at Miami? It's, a, it's at Miami. It's it's three 11, straight road or home games for it's Miami. A, it, wow, it's an eleven a.m. kickoff, and if you think for a second that a team that's that was lucky to beat Florida State and North Carolina can't lose to Virginia, then you need to wake up and smell the coffee. They could absolutely lose this week. All right, we need to get rolling on this pod. So we've just criticized the committee. It's time to move on to what our our top tens look like. So I'll start, Grant. My number 10 team this week is TCU. I had TCU at number six last week. I have them at number 10 now. I think it's ridiculous that TCU fell as far as the Horned Frogs did after their loss to Oklahoma. In, yeah. the, in the real rankings, in the playoff rankings. Yeah, I, I can kind of see it, though. I So I, I do want to give a little disclaimer before I, I give my number 10 team, Lee. I am now, um, my top 10 is now being constructed as it would be if I were on the college football playoff committee. So I, I just, I want to give that, um, just that qualifier firstly. My number 10 team, um, as it has been the last three weeks, it remains the UCF Golden Knights. All right, who's your number nine team? Uh, my number nine team is Ohio State. Um, when you actually start to look at, you know, at the resume, who is one, who hasn't, Ohio State really does, you know, overall probably have better wins than TCU and Oklahoma State, which is why they're not up here. Um, I, I, I did put something here. Uh, TCU and Oklahoma State would be, would be my number 11 and number 12 teams. Who's your number nine team, Lee? I have Auburn at number nine. I said last week that Auburn's not a top 10 team. They, the Tigers certainly played their best game of the year against Georgia and kind of made my prediction look bad. So now I have them as a top 10 team, but just barely in the top 10. Let's see. I have notes on Auburn. Where are they? Here we go. I'll admit that the Tigers proved me wrong. They looked very good against Georgia. So good for them. However, the doubter inside me, Grant, is still thinking, how good is Georgia really? 
They had played five SEC games prior to this one, and the best team the Bulldogs faced was South Carolina, and that one was at Sanford Stadium. In other words, Georgia and Auburn probably are good, but this is why college football is so annoying. There are so many teams, yet the same teams always play each other every single year, so it's, it's impossible sometimes to get a real read on how good anybody is. Resumes are built up during conference play, and sometimes conferences are artificially inflated by bias. So that's my spiel on Auburn and a little bit on Georgia. I who's, mean, your number, it, who's your number uh, nine team? Uh, my number nine team is, did I already say Ohio State? Oh, yeah, Ohio sorry. State, yeah. Uh, my number eight team is Notre Dame. So my, my nine through five is the same as the committee. Um, I, I thought it was fair. It was right. Notre Dame is at eight because uh, they lost at Georgia, who's at seven, and, and so on and so forth. And I, I, I think it is it is interesting that you bring up the whole, Hey, do we know if Georgia is good thing? George is good. Let's, I mean, let's not be hacks about it. We, we know Georgia is good. They've, they, they've, they've been dominant this season outside of, I said, how good is Georgia? Okay. Really? Okay. But I, I'm looking at my top 10 Lee, um, which is, which is very similar to the, the committee top 10. There's, there's one, maybe there's two, maybe three teams in this top 10 that are not one dimensional on offense. Every other team is one dimensional on offense. It's, I it's crazy if you think about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, Alabama is uh, maybe Alabama is maybe not one dimensional, but they they certainly cannot throw the ball on their own terms. They they can't throw when when the defense knows they're going to throw and they have to win the game. I don't think they can throw. Oklahoma obviously is is multifaceted. They they are the best at at running the ball and throwing the ball in the country. Miami, for everything I've seen of them, they're very one dimensional. Clemson, I, I think is can can throw the ball at times but like I said not on their own terms they can't they're they're a fairly one-dimensional offense everyone knows Wisconsin is um and so on and so forth but that's just my point and I wanted to bring it up okay so you said what eight through what five uh nine the through same? five is all of the same all right, Ohio, so, Ohio so, State Notre Dame Georgia Auburn Wisconsin all right so in that sense I'll just I'll go through my mine and uh, you know nine through five just so we can get this done quicker at eight I have Ohio State at seven I have Wisconsin at six, I have Oklahoma State. You know, I'm high on the Cowboys. And my number five team, which I guess in, in, in a, it's a bit hypocritical based on what I said a moment ago. I have Georgia at number five. I have the Bulldogs still at number five. I still think even though they were beaten by Auburn, it, it was obviously it was it was at Auburn. So that's tough. But man, I there was one play in the second quarter that if Georgia hits it, that game could have been totally different. It was 9-7 to Auburn winning. Jake Fromm goes deep to Riley Ridley, who's wide open. It would have been a touchdown. It was overthrown by about a yard or two, and he had to kind of dive for it. That would have been a touchdown. Should have been a touchdown. It would have been 14-9 and Georgia. I'm curious to see what would have happened if Auburn went down 14-9 to against that Georgia defense, which actually looked pretty darn good at the start, and then Auburn kind of started getting rolling. Even though, I mean, it, we can play what if for every game, but I mean, I, I, that's I, why I'm going to give Georgia the benefit of the doubt because they're on the road, and they almost hit that, and I think it would have been a totally different game if they would have hit that play. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I mean, I got to disagree with you. They, they were physically manhandled and dominated in that game. They, they weren't winning that game, period. Uh, even, even just up with until the long... That point, up until that point, Georgia's, Georgia's playing really, really well. I mean, they, I, I thought Georgia had a really nice holding Auburn to they had a, field goals. Georgia had a really nice drive. I thought on their first drive of the game. After that, they were atrocious. The rest of the game, they were terrible. Got ap- just physically manhandled. You know, I'm, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, 
I think there's a part of me that sort of thinks in that light too. But if you've listened to me all season about explosive plays or whatever and big plays like that, for the most part, they're completely random. And especially against a, a, a good Auburn defense, a big long pass play, uh, especially in that situation, would have been random and I don't think would have meant much for the overall game. I still think Georgia would have gotten ran off the field. It just it would have made Georgia a lot more dynamic with the, what they what they could play with, with their play calling because they play better. No, when they have the lead. I, I I don't think so. I think I I really do think Auburn was still just would have been keying in on the run the entire game and they wouldn't have been able to because G- Georgia is still one dimensional. They they can only throw the well, ball. Well, yeah, in their terms. like I mean so, when when they're winning when they're winning Georgia plays better and they they can call a lot more plays. They would have been a little more aggressive probably. They, they were still tr- they were they were still trying to run even when they were getting killed and they couldn't do it. So, just saying. So did you? So okay. So where are you now? Are we top uh, four? Yeah, I'm at top four. Lee, my number four team is Clemson. Um, and I know I've, I know I've been kind of ripping on Clemson. I have I have a ton of respect for Clemson. I I think they probably are one of the four best teams in the country. Um, but I I think they're just that. It's they're number four in my in my um in my poll because of respect. I, I think they've I think they have earned the benefit of the doubt, and I think that would have been just a a much better uh, justification for putting them at two for, for the for the committee. At number four for me, I have Miami. I have the Canes. Uh, played their two best games of the season back-to-back in their two biggest games of the year. So you got to give Mark Richt and company credit for that. However, I saw some of the same things against Notre Dame that I saw against Virginia Tech. I mean, it's it's a defense that was helped out by the offense. Vatek helped out Miami's defense quite a bit. And, man, I mean, uh, Wimbush threw an awful pick to uh, early in the game. And then the backup quarterback for Notre Dame threw a pick six in the last minute of the second quarter. Just an awful, awful play. I mean, just just like random, like they can't rely on that every single game. And, you can, and you, you're and you not going to convince me that Miami's defense is that good where they're going to be forcing all these turnovers every single game. I got to give credit, though, to the offense. Rozier didn't throw as much as he did against Vatek, and he ran the ball a lot more to protect him, basically, because he's not that good of a passer, but he's a pretty good runner. And that helped out Miami's defense, but or Miami's offense, rather. But, man, Miami, I mean, was was put in a lot of good positions in that game, and, and the Hurricanes took advantage of it. If Notre Dame wouldn't have made those mistakes, I mean, Miami, I, I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame's offense just looked bad that game. I mean, who, who's, their, uh, who's their running back? Anderson? Josh Adams. Josh, Josh Adams. Adams. I haven't seen him play a whole lot this year. He hasn't looked very good at all. He's hurt. He was hurt. Okay. He's, okay. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's, he's he's big. I mean, yeah. He's like, massive. He's he so looks, big. He looks he looked really slow, but I guess maybe because he's hurt. He so. hurt his ankle, I think, against um, right. against Wake Forest last week, and he, so, yeah. he he missed the he missed like three quarters against Wake Forest, and he was, I think, going into this, he was slightly questionable going into the okay. week, but was in yeah, play. He, he, he just, looked hurt. He looked hurt. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. It's, um. Well, that 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 makes sense then. So, so uh, Lee, my number three team is Miami. Also, so um. I got Miami at four. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So but you have them at three. I have them at three, and I I, I do just want to add a little thing to Miami. Um, I I think their I think their defense is really athletic and really fast. So that was the thing that um that stood out to me. The the guy who had the pick six, Tra- Trajan Bandy, um, actually a former OU commit. Um, he looked really fast on that pick six. Um, it's kind of funny now though, when I when I watch other teams, especially on defense, in my mind, I, I basically start checking boxes, and in my head, I think. Could can they stop OU? Can they stop OU? And I look at Miami, and I watched watched about two quarters of that game, uh, mostly in the first half. I was watching on, on on my iPad while I was watching the Sooners, and I was looking at Miami's defense. They looked great, but in my head I was thinking, can they stop OU? And in my head I was thinking, nope, they can't. <laughs> uh, so I'm 
you know. Well, the, the big thing that Oklahoma always has going for it, and I've said this a million times on this podcast, and I'll say it again, is that even the really good defenses, they don't know what they're getting themselves into when they face Oklahoma because there's they no other no offense clue. in the country that's like Oklahoma, with the exception of Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is right up there, just slightly below Oklahoma. You not look at as the Cowboys good numbers, the ball, though. Mm. Sure, sure, yeah. That, I mean, that that's why. I mean, they're not they're not as good, but I mean, that's why that's why you see teams like Iowa State giving up all these points to Oklahoma State, and Iowa State's defense has been really good this season. I mean, Oklahoma State was able to get more points against Iowa State than OU. OU did. So, it, you know, my my point being, you know, Miami's defense is good. And Clemson's defense is good, and Alabama's defense is good, but they ain't facing any other offenses that can challenge them like Oklahoma's can. These defenses are good, but relatively speaking to prior years, defenses this year are down. They're they're just not as dynamic this year. They aren't. Um, so this is there's not like a, a an incredibly dominant defense. And if you're telling me that defense this year is Wisconsin, then fine. That that's not, that sounds great to me. Okay, sure. You know, I so, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. So my number three team is Clemson. I have the Clemson up there because I still think Clemson's got a really good resume. I, even yeah, though, oh, even I do with too. The, I do even too. with the one loss, I and, and I'm putting them ahead of Miami uh, because I, it, for me, it, it goes back to, you know, you, you made the qualifier at the start of like, you know, if you were on the committee, how would you rank them? I'm still going by who I think would win these games. And I think Clemson's a better team than Miami. I think Clemson would I beat Miami. And I think Clemson would beat Georgia, and, and I think Clemson would beat Oklahoma State, and so on and so forth. So that's why I have Clemson at number three. I'll move on to number two, and I have Oklahoma at number two. The Sooners have been kind of a little, little farther down in my poll recently. They were at five last week. And I, and I always like to say, again, Oklahoma's a week-to-week team, and as long as they play well and look like a top-ten team, they'll be in the top ten. And also, as long as their resume continues to fill out, I will reward them for it. And Oklahoma has done that with the past two wins. They beat Oklahoma State on the road, and they had a great win against TCU and did it in convincing fashion. This is the point of the year where Oklahoma has done what they were supposed to do, what I hoped that the Sooners would do a month ago, six weeks ago, when we kind of planned this all out or looked ahead at the schedule. Oklahoma has done it. Based on the resume now, it's it's the best one-loss resume and arguably the best resume period in college football. Therefore, Oklahoma right now for me is the number two team in the country. Yeah, like OU is number two for me also, and I, you know, I mean, since ever since the Iowa State loss, you know, I, I've, I've been, you know, a little low on them in the rankings. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, th- this Saturday kind of changed my outlook on this season quite a bit, just on a national landscape. I'm, j- I go, just go to the 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 playoff top twenty five Lee, and just look at all of the losses. There, there just are not that many good teams in the country this year, and I. I don't think it's unreasonable at all to put OU at number two, especially when they by far have the best offensive player in the country. He's a quarterback, and he's—I mean, look look at this top ten. Who who in there from from the quarterback position scares you? Be honest. Oh, outside, outside of Baker Mayfield, the, the the second scariest guy in the top ten is not even JT Barrett. It's Jalen Hurts, like by far. So I mean, mm. I I. I and am I? I mean, Hurts is scary. Based on his, his, based on his, his team, his yeah, legs, I mean, his legs, his legs scare the hell out of me. If yeah, if the Sooners were runner. to play against Alabama, he's hard to bring that, down too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, Alabama's number one. Um, and I think they should be. I I I think right. I, I think resume wise, I, I honestly do think Alabama should be behind Oklahoma in terms of resume. I think Alabama and Wisconsin's resumes are very similar. So why is Wisconsin five and why is Alabama one? It's because of the name brand. And with Alabama. That's totally okay with me. Totally okay. 
it would seem that the committee, because I have Alabama at one as well, obviously, um, and I have some thoughts on Alabama here in a moment, but it, what, you, what you just brought up about resume-wise, it would seem that the committee are, are taking the, the stance of Alabama is number one because of the fact that it's Alabama, and we all know Alabama is really good in the history, yet when it comes to Clemson, they could just say, hey, Clem, like you said, they, Clemson won last year. They got a lot of really good players, blah, blah, blah. But they're using other arguments to make Clemson the number two team. So it's like there's some like there's in, there's inconsistent reasoning there, if you ask me, because like you said, Alabama's um, Alabama's resume, they have zero wins right now against a current top 15 team. Oklahoma's got three. No other team in the top 10 has two wins against a current top 15 teams. That that sounds a lot more of a uh, a resume booster to me than Clemson having what more wins against teams with winning records by like a win like one win compared to you know what would you say Texas Tech and Kansas State so um, it's just kind of inconsistent and and real quick on Alabama and and I also want to bring up the fact too I want to say thank you to one of our reviewers for the the podcast reviewers we got a review and it's it's from. Big Papa 25X. And I want to thank you for your review because he said that he's just a college football fan and he is an Alabama guy. He likes Alabama. And he's been listening to the podcast, Grant, ever since that Ohio State game. So let's talk a little bit of Alabama for See, Big he Papa likes 25. He, he, he likes my rule is that Alabama is default number one until they give me a reason not to. <laughs> that's, why he, that's why he likes us so much. <laughs> That's probably part of it, but I think we've been fair, and and I think that's a fair rule because that's my that's been my rule as well, and that's why oh, I still yeah. have Alabama I, number one. I, I I and I I still think Alabama is is probably the best team in the country. I mean, I I think that's just a very reasonable, objective take because 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 let's be honest, they've been the best team in the country for literally ten straight years. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always what's Alabama going to do? So here's my thoughts quickly on Alabama. I'm tempted to say that Auburn's going to beat Bama in the Iron Bowl. But I don't know, obviously. One thing that I'm always trying to remind myself, Grant, is to trust your gut, trust your instincts. Don't overreact to singular moments, singular games. So what was I saying last week? I didn't think Auburn was a top 10 team. Then the Tigers play easily their best game of the year against Georgia, and Alabama gets a ho-hum, tight win at Mississippi State where people are now questioning Alabama. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm still on Bama until I see somebody beat them in the regular season, which hasn't happened in years. Well, I mean, they they lose in the regular season. I mean, I guess I guess you're right, though. It has been years, I suppose, since they've lost in the regular season. Good take. Anywho. uh, Yeah, I mean, I. We can move on to the picks now if you have nothing. Yeah, I going a little long. Yeah, we're going long. I could I could talk about this for hours. Let's go to the picks. All right, let's go to the picks. Last week, Grant, you were three and two. I was two and three, giving Loser. you a one win advantage throughout the season. You're thirty six and twenty one. I'm thirty five and twenty two. Not a lot of great games to pick from this week. Rapid fire, Lee. Rapid fire. TCU at Texas Tech. Don't know if Kenny Hill's going to play. Darius Anderson's not going to play. Texas Tech's at home. It's eleven a.m. kick. I'm going to say Texas Tech pulls off the crazy upset, Grant. Yeah, I can I, I can see the possibility and that's, of that happening. Because I, I, I think I think Kenny Hill won't play. Okay, just have a feeling. Um, I, I I do think TCU's defense is legit top ten, and I think they're gonna show it again on Saturday. 
So I'll take TCU. All right. Your favorite team in college football, Grant, outside of Oklahoma, Central Florida, is at Temple on Saturday. And you got to know why I put this game in here, Grant, because you know I'm going to pick Temple to upset your favorite team. And you're insane. I will take UCF. I think the, it looks like the spread is two touchdowns. UCF will win by three or four touchdowns. I think Temple already has one like surprising upset win this year, and they're better at home. Go Owls. This game's interesting. No, Even it's not. not. Kentucky's of... terrible. Are they? Yeah, they're awful. They're like, they're seven Kentucky and three. at Georgia, by the way. We didn't yeah. say the game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but I I, I kind of jumped the gun. Yeah, they're 76th in S&P. They're, they're a paper tiger. They've been really lucky to win a few games. Oh, okay. So you're not going to be surprised if... Uh, or no, no so, you're, so you're saying you'd be shocked if Georgia lost this game? I'd be shocked. I think Georgia's going to beat them like probably like 45 to nothing or something like that. It's going to be bad. All right, well, I'll take Georgia too. But I just wanted to put that game on there just to talk about it. But. I mean, a su- super, super light week. I mean, I can see why you would put that on there. Mainly because I was thinking of the South Carolina game, and South Carolina was better than I thought South Carolina was when the Gamecocks played Georgia a couple weeks ago. And I thought, well, maybe Kentucky's better than I thought Kentucky is. So we'll see. Navy at Notre Dame, a game where a month ago we would look at it and think, oh, you know, I mean, Notre Dame, if they, if they get by Miami, I, they have Navy and Stanford. I mean, could Navy and their triple option knock them off? Now Notre Dame's got a loss. Don't have as much to play for. Navy's a solid football team. Uh, but I mean, I'll be boring and I'll take Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's still a good team. I'm I'm so I'm so surprised by that Miami game. Yeah, it's weird. Notre Dame's been utterly dominant this year. So I mean, I'll take Notre Dame, obviously. And finally, the big one of the week: Michigan at Wisconsin. For some reason, this is an 11 a.m. kick. Um, Grant, you said last week that Wisconsin beats teams are supposed to beat. I think they should probably beat this Michigan team. I'll take the Badgers. Yeah, I, I just. True freshman quarterback going on the road playing a Wisconsin defense that is legit. They are. Um, I, I'll take Wisconsin too. I think it'll be close. I, I think Wisconsin is going to struggle to move the ball, but it'll be close. Okay, that's our show. Grant and I will be back Monday with reaction from OUKU, and perhaps we'll speak about the weekend of college football as well. You know, depending on how much there is to talk about that Sooners Jayhawks game. We'll see. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. <laughs>